If you enjoy this episode of Obscure Obsessions, please remember to rate us, review us, and subscribe. Thank you for your support. On this episode of Obscure Obsessions. Vanna, are you ready? I'm ready, Taylor. Let's go. Is this Sean Patrick Williams? Who's Sean Patrick Williams? Sean Patrick Williams? No, Megan, there was no existentialism in the movie Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> Frankenstein's monster stumbles into their clubhouse and he has like an existential crisis because he like realizes that he's a monster. <laughs> Megan, you are hitting it out of the park with the obscure trivia today. That is a, that is a good one. And now, here are your hosts. You better call me Vanna White because today we're going to play some games. Welcome back to Obscure Obsessions. Thanks, Vanna. I'm actually going to be who I am, which is Nick Sicario, your host. This is the show where we will bring on guests and play some games. Or at least that's what this episode is going to be. Taylor, you're my co-host and confidant. How are you doing today? None of your business, please. Uh, that's a personal question. <laughs> I'll ask you to stay out of my personal affairs, which is a quote from uh, Ace, Ventura. Ace Ventura. So today, we have now reached beyond what we call in screenwriting parlance, the midpoint. Oh, okay. So we're halfway through the season, and we had so much fun with the first, well, what became the first episode, the game episode. Mm-hmm. We've shot these, or um, what's this called? Um, recorded. Recorded these in a very strange method, but our first episode was the game episode where we had quite a bit of fun, Mm -hmm. and we thought, since we're now halfway through the season, we thought it might be fun to now play another game, a different game. Sure. And we have joining us again today is our researcher, our unpaid researcher, and our cousin who we just had dinner at Cheesecake Factory, so if you hear any grumbling, it's it's Megan's uh, biscuits. Just (laughs) brimming to the surface. (laughs) Not sitting right. Okay, Megan. Uh, Can you say hello? Hello. Okay, good. So Nick, that, that way we know that she's here with right, us. Right, and I had a Cobb salad. I always get the Cobb salad. And no hard-boiled egg. No hard-boiled egg. An avocado that you pushed to the side. And I always give Megan my my avocado because I like avocado in... In sparing amounts. sparing amounts, not in a salad. It has no business being there. Mm-hmm. So, Nick, why don't you explain to us, well, not to us, really to Megan, the game and how the game works <laughs> and how we're going to be playing. So, Megan, let's turn those ears on. Put on, switch My on, ears are on, thank you very switch much. Switch on those listening ears. All right. They have been on, thank you very much. So this game is a little bit different than the first game we played. I'm going to time you. You have 15 seconds, and the idea is you're going to give us the plot of a movie. And you can try to stump us as much as you want, but we have three hints. The first should be pretty vague. The second, give a little bit more information. And the third should be as close to the giveaway if you will right and the idea is that she's going to have to explain she's going to have to tell us the plot of a movie in 15 seconds and we have to guess what the movie is right taylor and i are trying to i wouldn't say compete for each no because there's no competition no it's more just we're trying to guess we're trying to to expand our 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 minds expand our brains Mm -hmm. through completely legal means through um so yeah so you've heard how we've also expanded our minds by by watching shock treatment (laughs) this is another way Okay, so it's a simple game. Megan will read us a that she's written. Nick and I have no idea what she's I, compiled. I promise not to cheat in the spirit. I didn't cheat in the first game. Well, I guess I fudged the rules a little bit. A little bit. But um, this is your rule, but, rules and your game we're yeah, talking about. The universe is spinning around my head right now. So. <laughs> Are you okay? I've got allergies. Megan has allergies. 
And she's going to try not to laugh through most of her plot synopses. Okay, so we wouldn't give Megan any rules, any kind of movie she had to pick. We have no idea. So, let's begin. Let's throw it over. This episode of... What's the name of this game called? We have no... We have no name, name that movie? Name that movie. Thank you, Megan. Wow. Vanna, are you ready? I'm ready, Taylor. Let's go. All right, go ahead, Megan. Hoopla! Hoopla! So... You have to name movie number one. Okay. Hold on. Ready? I'll start the timer. Go. The main character helps his father rescue an animal from being captured and killed by poachers. That's a good one. So that was 10 seconds. All right. The main character tries to rescue his father who has been captured by an animal? Helps his father rescue an animal from being captured and killed by poachers. Is it Mighty Joe Young? No. Oh, no. that was a good... There's no father, though. The father dies, I think. Huh. Okay, first clue, I think. Yeah. It was let's, the first let's hear, clue. Let's hear a clue. The movie does not take place in the United States. Hmm. Movie? Oh, I know what it is. What is, is it? Is it The Amazing Panda Adventure? Correct. Oh, wow. okay. Th- okay. That's an obscure movie. There we go. Now, I actually you know what? Have... First off, let's... Good, good job. Okay, Amazing Panda Adventure. Here's what I know. Look up who the director of the Amazing Panda Adventure is. I remember this movie. Is this the McKay? This lunch is a movie? McKay movie. With Stephen Lang. And- Stephen Lang is in it. Who Nick and I saw. Actually, for, this is a good one for <laughs> a brief second at Inside the Actor Studio about a, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. The director is Christopher Kane. Has he done anything else interesting? A long time ago, Nick and I. And our cousin Anthony, we went to a taping of Inside the Actors Studio with Mr. James Cameron. This and this was at the height. The this was at the height of his Avatar and his right. His it had like just come out like two or three months before. Yeah, and he, I guess Stephen Lang was in Avatar, and he stood up, and we saw him for like two seconds. It was a really boring interview, as I remember, because yeah. I remember James Cameron being a real jerk <laughs> and just being a real. I'm trying to think of a nice way of saying prick, but he's he, pompous. He, yeah, pompous. But the amazing a panda adventure. This was yeah, tell about on, the backstory. on the same level as, so on a rainy day in elementary school, they would always gather the lunch crew. Instead of going out for lunch. You would sit in or the- for recess. Yeah, you would sit in the gym and they would throw on a movie on the big screen that they had. And the, in the rotation, without fault, was The Amazing Panda Adventure, one of the Mighty Ducks films. Andre. Andre. A movie about a girl and her seal. <laughs> And I feel like the other one that we watched a lot. Oh, I know what was, it was. Well, there was Beethoven was on a lot. But do you remember the other one that we watched a lot? Bug Hall is the star. Oh, of it. Little Rascals. Little Rascals. They would show. You saw because you those... typically would go out, but when it rained, you had to stay in. And they would put on these movies on this this very big, like late '80s TV in this wooden thing, and. Those would be the movies we would watch. Another one they used to add when I was in elementary school was the first Homeward Down, The Incredible Journey. You're right. That was another one. But uh, The Amazing Panda Adventure is in that era of 90s. Well, we mentioned already a few with like, it's like a kid animal parent. Right. There was this. There was uh, Free, Fly, Willy. Free Willy, Andre. Fly Away Home, Andre. I'm trying to think of other ones. Yeah, the, the, but they they would always Flipper, Flipper. They would always pair up. They pair up Frodo with wasn't Frodo <laughs> a dolphin? Wasn't Frodo? Um, yeah, Elijah Wood was in that one. He's in who, that. who? Tell me some of the cast and oh, the amazing well, panda. The, well, I have the. Oh you know, yeah, go ahead. But Christopher Kane directed the Stone Boy, 
the next Karate Kid. Ooh. Oh, starring Hilary Swank. <laughs> Grand Jury, Elmer, That Was Then, This Is Now. So not really a... a, a, a Where a, the River Runs Black. Not a prolific. He wasn't exactly Howard Hawks. No. So, Megan, tell me who's in the cast of... Now, I, I can't really remember... I remember you were somewhere down the shore, and you saw it. Of the VH or it the was, DVD of it, and it you was texted in it to me. A uh, books, books a million. million, and you texted it to me. But that was the same place I got you your copy of uh, Treasure Island. Ooh, love that. So it's not a huge cast. Stephen Lang, Ryan Slater, E. Ding. <laughs> that's the name. I'm not making. No, I know that. I just like that's like you're struggling. You struggle to say that name unoffensively. Isabella so it's not. So it's really not anyone, but I don't remember if it was good or bad. I just remember we watched it all the time. Well, you watched it recently, Megan. Yeah, was it any good? It was good. It was not, oh, this is the best movie Is that a Disney movie? No, No, it's a Warner Brothers movie. Well, all right, that's a good one. it's within that sort of feeling. Very good one. Hats off to you. It has a 5.8 out of 10 on that. I don't want to hear any more about the uh, amazing (laughs) We're done with this But I like that. That was a very good one. Good job, Megan. I'm shocked it wasn't an outright disaster zone. (laughs) I thought it was going to be, you know... On the level of Shelly Shelly Winters swimming through the Poseidon. Let's keep up these pleasant surprises. All right, Megan. Now we're on to... Okay, Vanna. Number two. And go. Movie number two. A group of kids have until midnight to stop a supernatural villain from taking over their town. Huh. Is it the Monster Squad? Whoa! (laughs) (laughs) Whoa! I don't know why I thought... <laughs> I mean, that's a good that's, guess. That's a good one. I'm, it, 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 I'm shocked I You're got that on the, on the first guess. My only reason for that is that it's in my queue right now, on my watch list. Mm-hmm. On um, One of the few Shane Black movies that's not Christmas related. Right, and it, it uh, he co-wrote the script, as I remember, with yep. Fred Decker, mm-hmm. who directed it. Yes. And I the first time I ever saw this, I was living in California, and one of my roommates said, oh... Let's watch the Monster Squad. And I said, oh, you know, I've never seen that movie. Mm-hmm. Which is strange because I'm a huge fanatic about the Universal Monster movie. This is like right up your alley. Yeah, like I, like the same way when I was a kid, I was obsessed with Disney, as we know, Batman, and Universal Monster movies. Mm-hmm. And Adam Costello. And that's how I kind of got into through Adam Costello meet Frankenstein. And the Wolfman stuff. And that's a very, I haven't seen it in a while now. It's basically a... More PG-13 Goonies, but instead of them trying to find a pirate treasure, they're trying to stop Dracula <laughs> from taking over the town. Well, there was something about... Because the movie starts off with the 16th or 17th century, and Dracula's trying to complete this sacrifice. Cause right, right. It was something about, like, a curse that he... Isn't it an, an, a magic amulet or yeah. something? An amulet and... Is this post or prior to the Bram Stoker Dracula? This is pre. This is 19... So, Monster Squad came out in nineteen eighty. So this actually involves a prologue about a historical Dracula before the Bram Stoker... Not done as not artistically as, annoying as I that rem- one. Okay, who's the monsters? There's there's Dracula. Dracula. There's Frankenstein's monster. Creature from the Black Lagoon. Right. Uh, the mummy. The Wolfman. And Wolfman. the Wolfman. Yeah. And I remember because it has the famous line of Wolfman's got nards <laughs> right, when they kick the Wolfman in the groin. This is the eighties, right? Yeah. Nineteen eighty-seven. This is about as nineteen eighties as you get. Yeah. And I. It's funny you picked that one because that's in my queue. And I keep thinking I really want to watch this again. There's no one really famous. No, I can't think of anyone this is famous. The cast. I, 
There's you can name me three. Ryan Lambert, Ashley Bank. Look up Ryan Lambert. That name sounds familiar to me. But what's another Frank Decker movie? He did oh. the two RoboCop. Oh, right. Did he do RoboCop? No, that's um, Paul Verhoeven did the original. But one. didn't he? Didn't Fred? Wasn't Fred Decker involved? He might have been involved in part of the. Megan, look up though. and tell me if. Do you remember the show Kids Incorporated? Because the one one of the actors was in that movie. No, look up Fred Decker. Oh. Tell me what other things Fred Decker has done. But that's a good one, and that's uh, that's a definite cult. Movie. Absolutely. It also is a very good Halloween movie because it, I believe yeah. it's set around that time. And if not, it just has the atmosphere and the vibe of, you know. And a, didn't it kind of have like an under wraps vibe? Yeah, actually, sort of because Frankenstein's monster becomes their like mascot <laughs> right. because he like stumbles into their clubhouse and realize he has like an existential crisis because <laughs> he like realizes that he's a monster. <laughs> and the thing that's great about that too is the movie is 82 minutes or something yeah it's brisk so it's a real fast watch yeah there was one thing that was really creepy about though he friends the the little sister and she's like five or six years old and there's one part when he when he rescues her from dracula and he like gives her the biggest hug and it's oh well that's that's a reference to the original frankenstein where frankenstein is being shown by a little girl how to throw flowers into a lake right and then he runs out of flowers, and he doesn't understand that if he throws her into the lake, she'll drown. <laughs> and then they parody that in, in uh, Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein, yeah. <laughs> where he looks at the camera. <laughs> yeah, tell me about more he, for the Decker He's best known for his cult classic horror comedy films, Night of the Creeps. Right. Oh, okay. And Tale, oh, Tales from the Crypt. Uh, he was involved in... Was he involved in any RoboCop movies? RoboCop 3. Oh. <laughs> uh, he was, uh, Whoops. All right, so... Yeah, but Fred Decker... Ricochet, If Looks Could Kill, and Lethal Weapon 4. Lethal Weapon 29. <laughs> uh, yeah, Fred Decker is a contemporary... Uh, and Oh, he did, sadly, I think. Didn't he co-write The Predator? Yes. Yeah. Not his finest hour. But that's... But, I mean, Shane Black was one of his yeah, they were. They were yeah, and they were friends. Oh, and he also... Well, this was an unproduced screenplay, but Godzilla, King of the Monsters. I've read that script, actually. I've hmm. read that script. He was not a fan of Godzilla, so they thought, oh, maybe that'll bring a different perspective. It did Very help. strange. No, it's a very... It was, yeah, it was going to be Godzilla, King of the Monsters in 3D. But Monster Squad, definitely check out. Yeah, because it is a great Halloween movie, and it's just so easy to watch. It's like, it, you know, it's like popcorn. You it's a kind of like, Sunday afternoon movie. Absolutely. All right, good. Next. Very good. Round three. Movie number three. We just said that. Um, <laughs> a film about a game we've all played in elementary school, and the character competes for ultimate victory. Tag? No. That was good. That's that good was my, my thing. Yeah, I thought tag. Wait, a game we all played in elementary school. And the character competes for ultimate victory. Searching for Bobby Fischer? <laughs> no. Oh. Not everyone played chess, I guess. <laughs> I, I didn't play it. I remember distinctly being in the chess club only because I wanted to have one of the medals. I wasn't good, and I complained to the teacher. W weren't you there? In the, it was summer enrichment, right? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. A game we give all, me a hint. Yeah, give me a hint. It's gonna give it away. Well, then don't give me one okay. of the give me other obvious hint. ones. Give Can me you tell me someone one. who's in the movie? That will give it away too. The fine. Good. Oh, I know the one. She's oh, dodgeball. Dodgeball. Yes. All right. Yeah, that's not a bad one. Who's in dodgeball? I've never seen Dodgeball. Really? No. 
I think you would not like it as much because Ben Stiller's doing Tony Perkis. Right. But because it's PG-13, he can be more overtly... Well, here's the thing with Ben Stiller is sometimes I really like Ben Stiller and sometimes I really don't like Ben Stiller. Like, I don't find him funny in certain movies, but other times I find him... Like, he's hilarious as Uncle Tony Perkis. Uh-huh. Or a movie I watched not too long ago uh, with Jack Black oh, and Kyle yes. Gass, Tenacious D in The Pick of Destiny, where he plays the, like... Guitars. Cons- he's the guitar center. Yeah. Uh, check. Um, hey, uh, Tony, bring this up for me. This you guys in the back. The so oh. Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn, Christine Taylor, Justin Long, Missy Pyle. Christine Taylor, by the way, was is I think they're back together. Oh. Yeah. She was Marsha Brady in the Brady Bunch movies, which yep. I know Megan's a fan of the series, at least. And now the movies. And she was in a movie we were talking about at dinner. She was Drew Barrymore's sister or best friend in The Wedding Singer. And then really? When yeah. I was watching a little bit of this on Paramount Plus the other day, in the late Nerd. 80s, early 90s, Christine Taylor did a show called Hey Dude, where she works on a dude ranch in Arizona. Megan, you are hitting it out of the park with the obscure <laughs> trivia today. That is, a, that is a good one. And it was Joe Torres was in that also? or I don't know who I that, know is. that is. Or, Somebody, but I know who a Hector Elizondo is, but um, I don't think he was on Hey Dude. A couple more people you know in yeah. Jason Bateman. Okay, I like him. Rip Torn. Oh, I love Rip Torn. He Gary was the voice Cole. of uh, Zeus. That's right. In uh, Gary, oh, oh, Gary Cole was. And Gary Cole is um, uh, Mike Brady. Mike Brady. That's kind of weird. The other one who in that who I don't find all that funny all the time is Vince Vaughn. He's extremely hit or miss. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a huge Vince Vaughn fan. I think, unfortunately, as the years have gone on, I've sort of lost my taste for the Vince Vaughn humor where he's just the fast-talking... Show me a pic of Hey Dude. <laughs> I'm kind of fascinated by that. But Christine Taylor was really good in... Um, she was a great Marsha Brady. Yes. And she was really funny in The Wedding Singer. Dodgeball, I, I want to watch because I know that Ben Stiller... Is similar He's still to kind of Perkins. doing Uncle Tony. Yeah. The thing that is funny about Dodgeball is it doesn't take itself seriously and takes itself seriously right. at is the Will same Ferrell time. No, no. no. But see. it also has so many Whoa! actors. Yeah, that looks terrible. Woof. Yeah, that's gonna hey, be dude. A, that's gonna be a hard pass that's for a this hard guy. Pass. The, basically, so. The plot of that, and I know we're not discussing it, but this is Well, I'm interested in this. So, Hey Dude is basically about a bunch of teenagers who spend their summer working at a ranch in the middle of Arizona. Now I'm not interested. And hilarity ensues. (laughs) All right, good job, Megan. Next. What are we at, number three? No, we're at number four. Oh, good. Breezing through these. Breezing. We're dogging it. We're dogging it. I purposely did these shorts so we wouldn't have to spend all night talking about it. Well, you did the right thing. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. A group of childhood best friends go on a camping trip to find a hijacker's treasure. Without a paddle. Yes. Yeah. I don't know anything about this movie. Okay, this is was... This, is this Sean Patrick Williams? Who's Sean Patrick Williams? Sean Patrick Williams? Who's the guy who plays Stifler? Uh, Sean, uh, Sean William Scott? Is, oh. No, without no. a paddle, it's Matthew Lillard, Seth Green... Oh, I got the wrong... You have the nineties, early two thousands. But this Tell me about Without a Paddle. So weirdly, Without a Paddle was around the same time as the live action Scooby Doo's. Uh-huh. And 
I saw Scooby-Doo 2, which had Matthew Lord and Seth Green. Seth Green in it, and then immediately saw this, like, a week later. Yeah. And I was very confused, because I was like, wait a second, they were just <laughs> in that other movie. This is not a hilarious movie, mm-hmm. but I've always found it pretty entertaining, because it's three best friends, and they kind of go on... I wouldn't say jungle adventure, but they they get lost in the woods. Yeah, it's directed by Mr. Stephen Brill of Heavyweights fame. Oh, okay. And Little Nicky fame. Okay. They do this in honor of their friend Billy, who dies in a parasailing accident. Right. That's the downer. Yeah. Down. Yeah. Okay. Cheese, Megan. <laughs> you know, it's like it's tame in comparison to other like PG thirteen mm. comedies. It's not super dirty. It's not super profane. It's just sort of another good Sunday afternoon movie because it's kind of loud and colorful and just doesn't really stop. And yeah, I, I feel like I've, I've seen this like on cable a lot. You, this would definitely find its way on. What year like, did you say this was? 2004. Okay. So this was the same, was this the same year? Same year as Scooby-Doo 2? Scooby-Doo 2. Who does Seth Green play in Scooby-Doo 2? He is Velma's love interest. Who is the museum curator. See, I gotta, I gotta revisit Scooby-Doo 2. I, I always preferred the first one to Scooby-Doo 2. I understand that for a while. I liked two more because with there being the idea of the creation of these monsters. Right. But I like them Scooby-Doo both. Scooby-Doo has my favorite. And, and you know, screw you. Anyone who doesn't <laughs> like the... like, I'll get real. I will fight you right now. with a, For the with, twist? I will make a shiv out of Megan's elbow bone <laughs> and fight you about the twist ending of Scooby-Doo. It's one of my absolute favorite twist endings. Okay, without a paddle. I, that sounds interesting because I do like Stephen Brill. He did... Um, and the Mighty Ducks movies. And Mighty, Bu- uh, Mighty Bucks. Mighty Ducks. Mighty Ducks, Mighty Bucks. Is, is it similar in tone to Meet the Deedles? No. Meet the Deedles is... More. Was that also him? No, but I, I'm just sort of thinking Matthew Lillard. Oh, I see. Like, you know. kind of like stoner And then characters. Matthew Lillard and Freddie Prinze Jr., who were were also in what other movie together? She's All That. Was she in that? Were, were they in that one also? I was thinking of Summer, Summer Catch. Summer Catch. Which is the one I was thinking of. In She's All That, Matthew Lillard plays a reality TV star who's like a complete jerk and Megan's just knocking out of the park right now jeez alright next one I'm off of Freddie Prince I'm we're, on to we're the moving next, I'm we're on moving. to the next one okay this last is one Megan alright Megan's done Megan's done, Megan's done, she's done yeah. pretty well she, she's dogging she's it she's dogging it this movie is about a legend that encounters strange and hilarious situations with new friends and old enemies Ooh, wow that's pretty vague did you actually write these I actually did I don't, I don't know. I think there might the be... syntax is a little off, but hey. <laughs> Can you read it again? We sing in King Cole's party. <laughs> I'm, trying no. to think, I'm trying to think of things Meg and I have talked about in the ocean. This movie is about a legend, or from a folktale, about... Oh, okay. Go ahead. Keep going. Now I know. Who encounters strange situations, however hilarious, with new friends and old enemies. Because, like, Whitney Houston is a legend. Right, it's a matter of how do you phrase it. <laughs> right. Okay, so a folk legend character... Is it Shrek? No. Good guess, though. Mm-hmm. Comes to life and interacts with human beings. He-Man mastered the universe. No. All right. Did I say King Cole's party? Yes. You did, yes. Big Rock Candy Mountain. No. This is, this is, this a, is not a musical. Okay, is this a... Is this not any, for kids. Is this, this, is, this is not for it's, kids. It's not dirty, but it's not... 
for kids. So this is there's none of the Weeson catalog in this. No. Darn. Okay, tell me who is in this movie. Tell me one person. All right, this is the first hint. We haven't had to use a lot of hints. No, not really. We've been pretty good, but Megan has uh, stumped us a bit on this one. Yeah, for sure. Okay, in this movie, Richard Lewis. Is it uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights? Oh, see, that's that's a good one to pick because I have I. And that's not a Mel Brooks movie that you think of right away. No, that's a good one. That's a good one. So here's the thing with Robin Hood Men in Tights. Nicholas and Anthony always loved this movie. I do too. Yeah, but you weren't born. <laughs> but, well, neither were they yet when this movie came out. But they were born before you were. So there's a <laughs> If point. so facto, I win. But, Whatever. And this is... I've always had like a negative feeling about it for some reason. You're, I don't know why. I feel like it's the fact that it's post some of his prime like, movies. Like, like you know, you, you don't have sort of the, I dare say, grit, but... Because like Mel Brooks has a few distinct eras. You know, he has his Gene Wilder films. He has his non-Gene Wilder films. Then he has this kind of lowbrow... Technically, Spaceballs falls into... A kind of lowbrow humor. I I suppose yeah. It's not the same. It's not on the same levels of sophistication as even Blazing Saddles or the um, producers. Producers or you know, Frankenstein is probably the the, the, the most un- Mel Brooksy kind of movie. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I've I remember they used to also show it a lot on WGN Superstation. <laughs> like they used to show it all but the I, time. I do think this one finds its way onto television almost more than a it, lot of is his this other PG? ones. Or PG PG thirteen, but it's like um not a soft PG thirteen, but it's like one of those. It feels more commercial. Tell me who else is in the cast. Amy Yazbek. Oh, Amy Yazbek was married to John Ritter from Three's Company, and the Problem Child films. Really, Amy Yazbek was also in the show Wings, which I used to watch before school. <laughs> Roger Rees, Tracy Ullman. Oh, Tracy Ullman. Was a comedian who had a, a talk, sh- a, a sketch show, and one of the sketches on her show was a cartoon called The Simpsons. Right. And The Simpsons were spun off from Tracy Ullman. Wasn't Tracy Ullman in like The Princess Bride? I think so. Megan, it's been something. Go ahead. Who else is in it? She may not have been The Princess Bride. She might have been, been something else. Go ahead. Patrick Stewart. Oh yeah, like I, 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 I don't know. I have the, I have it on DVD. I have it in my. In my oh, I thought you don't even have this one. Well, I have it in the box set. So, no, I, I have to give another shot to Robin Hood Minute. How would you rank that? Would you rank that top tier, middle tier, bottom it's middle tier. tier? Middle tier? For me, at least. But that's also because, you know, when I saw this, I was still, like, in elementary school, early middle school. Is it funnier so think, or worse than Dracula Dead and Loving It? I think it's funnier but that also does dracula doesn't loving it also has i have to see leslie that. nielsen i haven't seen it in a long time but i know it's leslie nielsen as dracula yeah okay good job so Ryan. the ones megan did were without a paddle dracula no uh robin hood men tights, men tights. uh <laughs> amazing panda adventure, amazing adventure. dodgeball and monster squad very good selections. Good man. round. Man. Very good selections. Let me do my round. How about my? Are you or do you want to go? No, let's or, go with you. Or I'll give I'll give one and we'll see how that goes. Here's one that I know that both of you have seen. Okay. A group of new friends set out for the big city to find their friend after he screws up his one job. Rockadoodle. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guess that? Did you, could you figure that out, Megan? That wasn't gonna be my 
first guess. What was your first guess going to be? See, maybe this is this is an audio show. So when you so when <laughs> so you I, so I when you roll your when you when you when you roll your eyes and you move your hand, the we, audience we can't, can't see that. that. This is called a microphone, not a camera. I know what a microphone is. Okay. I so rock so rockadoodle rockadoodle for me, which we've been is, trying to get onto this show for a while now, and we'll probably get it in season yeah, two. Season two. T- t- talk a little bit about rockadoodle. A great underrated obscure. I, I a, would say this is an obscure movie. It's so ins- it's so obscure and it's so insane to just briefly mention the plot is enough to I think tantalize the senses. The story is a young boy named Edmund. Right. Uh, his favorite book in the world is the Tales of Chanticleer, who is a rooster who sings to the sun to wake it up. And one morning, Chanticleer doesn't sing, but the sun still rises. Chanticleer is embarrassed. And leaves the farm that he has been raised and grown up on. So in the meantime, the Grand Duke of Owls, played by the late, great Christopher Lee. Uncle Dookie. Uncle Dookie. Not Christopher Lee. Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer. The Return of the Pink Panthers, Christopher Plummer. (laughs) He finds his way into Edmund's world and turns him into a cat to eat. He goes from being live action to cartoon. And then Edmund and all the other now cartoon barnyard animals who live on Edmund's farm go into the big city to because try what, to find Because what's Chanticleer. happened is that without Chanticleer, the sun has not risen. And it's just it's been... It's going to be dark forever. It's going to be dark forever. And so Edmund and his new friends set out to rescue Chanticleer... Or not rescue, but bring Chanticleer back. So that the sun can rise again. Except Chanticleer is now an Elvis impersonator who's a big success in the big city, which is also made of animals... I don't think there's any people. Is this movie making sense to you? Too bad. And it's it's a movie that's a Don Bluth film. Don Bluth who did American Tale. Um, Pebble and the Penguin. Pebble and Penguin. Land Before Time. A whole bunch of movies you've definitely seen. Oh, Secret of Nim. For some reason, though, this is the one that I've watched more than any of them. And I remember them showing this on TV a lot. And then it disappeared. And then I finally found it on VHS. And I was so excited. We, we could do a whole show on Rockadoodle. So Rockadoodle is insane. A, a boy is turned into a cat by an owl and goes out to the big city to find a rooster who's depressed and is impersonating Elvis <laughs> is the basic plot of this movie. So look forward to that definitely episode check, soon. Definitely check that one out. Okay, let me give you a quick one here. All right. I don't know if Megan will know this one. Okay, this is the story of two orphans. One who grows up to have a nice car and the other who grows up to like sushi. Hmm. Megan has a very puzzling... A nice car, the other who grows up to like sushi. A story of two orphans. One who grows up to have a nice car and the other who grows up to like sushi. Now, what is sushi, Megan? It's raw fish. Major hint. A c- what movie has a, f- a nice car... And a person eating raw fish. And it's about two orphans. Oh, God. This is a movie you and I talk about ad nauseum. <laughs> At dinner tonight, we talked about one of the actors in this movie. Uh-huh. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. A story of two orphans. <laughs> one who grows up to have a nice car, and the other who grows up to like sushi, a.k.a. raw fish. How dare you not know this? Close to my heart, perhaps? I'll give you a hint. Okay. The director of this movie 
we've done an episode on. Is it Batman Returns? It is Batman Returns. Okay, thank God. <laughs> oh, I felt myself losing so consciousness. The one, so one orphan grows up to have a nice car. Oh. The Batmobile. Right. And the other grows up to like sushi. What's weird is I was thinking Batman Returns for a second, yeah. and then my mind was saying that's not right. Because this is a, among my favorite Batman. It might be my favorite live action. I think it's my action, favorite Batman movie. My favorite live action Batman. I might like Batman the movie maybe a smidge more. <laughs> You'll have to refer back to that episode <laughs> right. to know. But Batman Returns was one of two movies I was not allowed to watch as a kid. Megan, what was the name of the other movie I was not allowed to watch as a kid? I'm pretty sure you've mentioned this I've on the I mentioned show. this on the very first episode, which you have not listened to, despite being a semi-regular on the show. <laughs> despite you being the B.B. Newworth of our show. Sure. Because B.B. Newworth was Lilith. And Wait, Lilith. a movie you were not allowed to watch yeah. or you did not want to watch? That I was not allowed to watch. Please keep those listening ears tuned finally in. The other movie was Free Willy 2, The Adventure Home. I don't know exactly why. <laughs> well, Batman Returns, I can understand because it's really creepy. It's really creepy. There's a the, the moment that my mother I know objects to is when the penguin bites that guy's nose. Which is pretty upsetting. Pretty upsetting and pretty gruesome. And Dane DeVito is terrifically creepy. Oh, yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer is my second favorite Catwoman. Mm-hmm. And Tim Burton, it's the most Tim Burton-y... It might be among between Beetlejuice and um, what's another one like Edward Scissorhands. The most in his voice. Mm, that's a good way to look. And at it has it. Christopher Walken, where he says one of my favorite lines: "She tries to blackmail me. I'll throw her out a high window. <laughs> Till then, I got better fish to fry." And he has perhaps <laughs> one of the coolest death scenes. Oh yeah, that's a good ever. That's a good death scene. But Batman Returns is one of... Nick and I talk about that one a lot. And Christopher Nolan Batman movies get a lot of hype currently. But I really think that the two Tim Burton ones are just so infinitely more entertaining than the Nolan trilogy. Oh, absolutely. Are the Tim Burton ones, do you think they're more, in a way, kind of like a cartoon? Just the I think they at least understand that Batman is still derived from comic book source material right they don't they don't ever take themselves too too serious well ever really seriously at all even the two tim burton ones which are good even the first one which doesn't really have his voice as much it's still a guy who falls into a tank of acid and comes out with clown skin. Mo, clown me it's your uncle bingo it's time to be the okay i have one quick one more okay and then we'll move over to you and then maybe we'll come back and we'll see okay <laughs> this is a tough one i think the main character has an existential crisis and tries to prove his worth. Has an existential crisis and tries to prove his worth. Megan, explain to me existentialism. I don't know how to explain what to you. Okay. That's about right. That's, that's a good answer. The main character has an existential crisis and tries to prove his worth. Can I have a hint? This is a movie with few human actors in it. But the human actor in this won the Academy Award for his performance in this movie. And the main character is not a human being. Hmm. Oh, here's another hint. The, the co-writer of this movie co-wrote and directed the sequel, which is one of the strangest sequels you've ever seen in your life. And the director is very famous. He's a director who you 
who you without a doubt know and you've seen many of his films. Megan, any guesses? You're staring at me like I'm an algebra problem. <laughs> well, try a little harder. I'm not seeing any smoke coming out of those ears. The character oh. has an existential crisis and tries to prove his worth. I'll admit, this is a tough one. Yeah, this is, this this is, is a tough vague. one. This is a very, this is very vague. But you said the sequel is one of the strangest it's sequels. It's one of the strangest sequels you've ever seen in your life. And the director is very famous. The director of this movie is of, very uh, famous? Uh, well, sequel? of the sequel. But he was the co-writer and producer of this. The movie was filmed in New Zealand. And the director is Australian or of the sequel. The famous director who you would know. Is it Crocodile Dundee? No, Megan. There was no existentialism in the movie Crocodile <laughs> Dundee. Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles had a, a few moments, but none. <laughs> that's not the overriding thing. That's not the one I'm talking about. Oh, man, alive. You're going to need another hint. Probably. The famous director is most probably famous for working with Mel Gibson. <sighs> Megan, you haven't answered. Give me one guess. Most famous for working with Mel Gibson. What's a, mo- what's a famous Mel Gibson movie? Braveheart. Think mm-hmm. earlier. Lethal Weapon. No. What's another famous Mel Gibson movie? They made a sequel to it that didn't have him in it. I'm literally seeing the inside of Nicholas's uh, eyeballs. Oh! <laughs> What's a famous Mel Gibson movie? Right. Oh. He was in three of them. Was it The Godfather? No! Mel Gibson wasn't in The Godfather! <laughs> That's Al Pacino! <laughs> this is our researcher, everybody. <laughs> Who doesn't know the difference between Mel Gibson, Mel Gibson and Al Pacino. <laughs> Tom Hardy replaced him in the fourth film. And the director of that fourth film oh, oh, oh. is the director. <laughs> oh god. Okay. Oh, um um Mad Max um Who's the director of that movie? Uh, George Miller. And what was the movie that he directed the sequel? It's a really crazy movie. And it involves a character who's not a human being. Oh, Babe Pig in the City? But what's the first one called? Babe Pig. That's the answer. Oh my god. <laughs> Whoa! Because remember, Babe realizes he's going to be killed. Right. So he tries to prove his worth. That movie is really, really upsetting. He tries to prove his worth by becoming... But wasn't he the director of the original movie too? No, not the original. I had it in my head that he directed the original. But you're right. The sequel is insane. The sequel, Babe Pig in the City, is is a... I've only seen that once. But as a kid, I loved Babe. The movie Babe. Because I loved movies about pigs. Right. And for those of you who don't know, it's about a talking pig voiced by the same voice actress who voiced Chucky Finster on Rugrats. Oh. Christine Cavanaugh. Yeah. And Babe realizes that a pig's purpose... Is to be bacon. Is to be turned, to be eaten. So he decides he's got to figure out how is he going to keep himself alive. And so he becomes pretty, a sheep pig. Pretty messed up. Where he teaches... <laughs> kind of makes you think every time you go to Wendy's and get a Baconator. It's a very depressing, strange movie. James Cromwell is the actor. And he's in both of them. He's in a small cameo in the second one. Right. He won the Oscar for... Didn't he win the Oscar? I think he won the Oscar with having the least amount of dialogue. James Cromwell? For having the least amount of dialogue of any actor who's ever won. That's crazy. And that's a movie that I really, really love, Babe. Even though it's very sad. Mm -hmm. Cousin Catherine from the Vacation movies... Oh, he didn't win. Oh, maybe then. Then you're excused. He should, but he should have. He won. should have because he acted against a pig. <laughs> the 
and this is what the little description of what the second one is about. When Babe accidentally puts Farmer Hoggett Hog in traction, the debitors <laughs> come looking for their payments. In order to pay their debt, Mrs. Hoggett sends Babe off across the ocean to the city to demonstrate his talent as a sheep herder. Along with his friends, Babe meets a lot of new friends and gets into new adventures. It, it, it's a very strange sequel. Mm-hmm. It's probably one. There's of, also like a weird, like acid trip dream sequence. Yeah, like right? Babe, you know, he takes peyote at one point. I think <laughs> in the or movie. Isn't there, or isn't there a scene like in Dumbo where the kind of like how he gets like drunk or something like that? Well, yes, uh, there's another movie where an acid no, trip happens. Yeah, yeah. Remember, drunk. remember when Nick said that a second ago? Literally a second ago. <laughs> no. But I definitely would recommend Babe. Have you ever seen? You've seen Babe, right? Yeah. yeah. But I deliberately didn't watch it much because it is so upsetting uh, well i loved it because it was so upsetting but i never really liked the sequel because it was so different mm-hmm. that i have to i have to go back and give that another because i actually think that one has more of a reputation the sequel i think the sequel is actually better liked or, or at least appreciated more for being so strange mm-hmm. okay so i recommended batman returns rockadoodle not that i recommended them but, but I, but I am. I guess Batman so. Returns, Rockadoodle, and Babe. Okay, Nick, it's Strange. your it's your round. All right, I'm gonna go with ones that I'm fairly positive both of you have seen. Okay, these three. We'll start with the first one. Our intrepid hero must overcome his greatest fear and recover a stolen artifact from a poor African tribe. Ernest in Africa. No, I, I'm sorry, but you're incorrect. Raiders of Lost Ark. Never no. goes to Africa in that movie. Do you want a hint? So, so, read, read me the, the thing again. Our intrepid hero must overcome his greatest fear and recover a stolen artifact from a poor African tribe. Oh, I know what it is. Meg, do you have any guess? No. Would you like a hint? Give her a hint, because I know exactly what it is. It's a sequel yeah, I know starring a very famous comedian. Also involving... Animals. Yes. Sequel? Now, for those of you in the Very audience, famous. Megan is staring dumbfounded at Nick as though he was a trigonometry Mouth textbook. Mouth agape and <laughs> drooling. He has to get an artifact that was stolen from a village? Yep. Yes. The village happens to be in Africa, and it is a sequel, a very famous comedian at the helm, and it's about animals. Gonzo, this is called The Helm. This is like I'm hammering home a point. And this, this actor was also a villain in a Batman sequel. Oh, okay. Come on. Now you should. Wait. This person also was in a movie called The Mask. Oh, is it? Is it Ace Ventura? What's the sequel called? Ventura <laughs> <it> Two. <laughs> <laughs> It's Ace Ventura when nature calls. Now Nicholas I and I Nicholas and I rewatched this. We did a double feature. A double feature the first and second a, f- a few months a few ago. months ago. And wow, it's not funny at all. No, in fact, it's a really gross movie. It's actually painfully unfunny. There's one part where he comes out of a robotic rhino's behind. Right. And the joke is, the- hey, a guy is coming out of a robot. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Because I love the first one. The first one has a really good mystery, actually. E- depending on even, you know, there's things about it that today, uncomfortable. Sure. 
But I don't think we laughed once. No, I think we were more laughing at how uncomfortable we were and the fact that a lot of the actual humor in big air quotes yeah. are like there's a scene where he like pushes his eyeball. Oh yeah. I do like that. That's every the joke. Yeah. Is he's like, hey. And there's a lot of spitting jokes. A lot of spitting jokes. And the worst thing is that Ace Ventura hates bats. Right. He's He's Ace Ventura. He's, he's a pet detective. No, he's afraid of he's it. He's afraid of bats. Remember? But, it, but and yeah. there's a, there was an initial version of it, I think, where he was supposed to be like allergic or something. Which made way more sense right. than all of a sudden being afraid of bats. He had a chipmunk eat bird seed out of his belly button in the first movie. <laughs> yeah, Ace Ventura is is you it's can, such a downgrade from. And I know that we're we did watch it back to back as we mentioned, but I think even on its own, you would watch it and be confused why you're not laughing. Yeah, it, it's sparse on the old laughs. Yeah. All right, good one. That was the first one. All right, now this one I know for a fact you've watched the both of you. Okay. Through the power of teamwork, six friends must unite to defeat an intergalactic being. Well, it didn't even finish the sentence, but okay. My favorite story about this is many years ago, Nicholas would would reenact the opening sequence where the Power Rangers would skydive skydive out of the airplane. And Nicholas knew all the dialogue. Because I had seen this movie that many times. And it's a great one. It's a kid movie that holds up not as well as when you were a kid, but it's, again, we've talked about this in other episodes, where the nostalgia for it, I think... This, in particular, is is one of the most nostalgic movies for me, and it's about as 1990s as you can make. (laughs) Because the Power Rangers were already born out of an era that was like, we're trying to capitalize on what the kids want, and we're going to steal this property that we found from Japan. Literally. And we're going to just put some adults pretending to be teenagers. And, Tommy, Oliver, um, uh, Kimberly. Uh, you got Jason. Jason. Billy. got Billy. Billy. Adam. Aisha. Rocky. And it's always weird because some of them were from the original it was series. The original, in the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie from the original, it was Billy, Kimberly, Tommy. And Tommy were really... The original. That's it. The other great thing about this movie is another Indiana Jones connection is Paul Freeman, who is one of the greatest villains in any movie ever, he, and I will fight you if you say he, differently. He's going to take the shiv I've made out of Megan's elbow bone. <laughs> I will fight you. He was Belloc in the original Raiders. I mean, yeah, he's good in that too, but I'm talking about his role as Ivan Ooze, an right. intergalactic Absolutely. cosmic being. Absolutely. Intergalactic cosmic being. Who basically enslaves all the parents in Angel Grove to build this machine and then eventually tries to bring them to their doom by jump, basically jump off a cliff. Right, by shooting a water hose at the parents. That's how it wakes No, no, but we missed the whole part. That The idea is the way he mind controls these fully grown adult people (laughs) is by making them curious enough to touch ooze that he is selling in toy stores right he's selling essentially like jelly like like, like play, slime like slime and the parents touch it and it hit and, and, and it literally makes them go you have to watch the clip from the movie when the main kid's dad touches it he just goes like like stiff as a plank and just starts walking out of the house <laughs> and there's a whole wave of adults who all have slime on their hands like uh 
Ivan Ooze, Ivan And then he ooze. makes them dig up those machines and then put them together. And there's another great scene where he makes a very large construction worker man dance to ballet music. <laughs> And then and he, 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 it's cr- funny. Then he creates these Tengu warriors who are these <laughs> giant birds who have to go hunt down the Power Rangers who are training. I think that they might have not, I wouldn't say made my fear of birds come to life, but that certainly didn't help the issue because they're very creepy looking. Because then on the island, they're being trained and they get these ninja costumes. The item is called, the island's called Thados. Thados. And the woman is Dulcia. Dulcia. Why don't you take another quack at it? I say we say that a lot. Yeah, we. Yeah, if someone's trying something, I will. I'll often say, "Why don't you take another quack at it?" <laughs> I shared that to Megan before. But Power Rangers the movie, yes, you really need to have enjoyed the and show. And it's the as best of any of the. Well, yeah, but I, I, I didn't see much of the Power Rangers show as much as I saw the movie. I think that it definitely helps, but. Yeah, seeing this particular movie as an adult, you'd probably be like, what is this? Yeah, you can understand. Well, that's true. If you're an adult going in and watching this, it's going to be a little tough. But try to switch your brain back to being a kid and then watch it. Yeah. And I think that you'll enjoy it. Uh, it's a, it was a big part of my childhood. Yeah, we. It's a big... And we'll have to... Uh, that's a movie worth a whole episode. Of, of course. All right, you ready for this last one? Yes. A collection of remakes... From directors that are all still working and alive today. A collection of remakes. Directors who are all still alive. Is it an anthology film? Yes. Four Rooms. No. But they are still alive. Mm-hmm. But that's not the one I'm talking this about. This is going to be something I'm not going to get. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I didn't know that was an anthology. I never mm-hmm. saw it. Yeah. That's a good one. Only two directors, though. Mm-hmm. Come on, brothers. Do you need a first yeah, Oh, hint? I'm going to need a hint. This... I'm going to need to take another quack at it. This film was born out of a television show. Tales from the Crypt. Nope. Is this a movie I've seen? Yes. We talked about this a lot. Pretty sure we talked about it at dinner. <laughs> oh. Tales from the Crypt? Did I just say you that? just said that. Oh. But think you're... you're Think that. You're Tell kind of on the right... Oh, I know what it is. So do you. We've got to bring it back, right? Yeah, you know what it is. Give her a hint of who's in it. Dan Aykroyd's in it. Mr. Uh, John, John Lithgow, Lithgow is in it. We to- Oh, is it the Twilight Zone? She's got yes, it. Twilight it Zone, the Twilight movie. Twilight Zone, the movie. Now, I have to tell a little story about Please. Twilight Zone, the movie. So I had seen a handful of episodes of the show before I found this on DVD as a young a young lass. <laughs> and I have watched the movie so many times, way more than I've watched the show. And I really, really enjoy the show. But the movie, to me, is my first love of it. Because yeah. not realizing until we had a discussion about it a few months ago... All of the stories in that were remakes of episodes. I think the John Landis one wasn't, but right. but most of the uh, Kick the Can. John Landis was the one with Vic Morrow. Was, Chick, was that Kick the Can? No, that's Steven Spielberg. It'd be good if we had a researcher here. Oh wait, <laughs> <laughs> to look it up. But you know, I haven't seen that one in so long. It's more that you are fascinated by 
elements of, from that movie. Right. I'm, I'm fascinated. There's, there's particular elements of I'm, it. I'm, you're talking about the, the more gruesome real world events? Right. Yeah. In which an actor was... Beheaded on the set. <laughs> so look that up. But it's a it's an interesting movie because I remember it not necessarily capturing the mood of the show. As you know, I love The Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. But I remember it having its own kind of charm. The directors are Joe Dante. Steven Spielberg. John Landis and Mr. George Miller. George Miller, when he wasn't making movies about existential pigs or cars going very, very <laughs> fast. The first episode is A Quality of Mercy. Directed by. That one was. <laughs> Our researcher can't look through Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Our researcher is getting stumped by Wikipedia. All right, we're going to come back to you. <laughs> oh, John Landis. Wow, that was an ordeal. What was it called? Quality of Mercy. Yeah, I think that was the original one. And there was Kick the Can. So segment two was Kick the Can. That one was Steven Spielberg. (laughs) Then the next, the after segment two, stop it. Do you hear that sound? It's the show grinding to a halt. It's good. This one, I thought was, I thought this was the creepiest one. Oh, it's a good life? Yes, that one was terrifying. It's a good life. That one was directed by Joe Dante. And then then the next one, segment four. (laughs) By doing the math, you come to who is the last director. Nightmare at 20,000 feet. And that was... (laughs) That was directed by George Miller. Very interesting, Megan. So the... Yeah, but you're right. They 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 are mostly, but I think the, the the John Landis one. But I think what I really like about this movie is that each director's style is vastly different mm. from each other. So as a segment ends, it's sort of like you're almost putting in a new movie by a director, and it feels like, especially the Joe Dante segment feels so much like a joe dante movie that's the interesting thing always with anthology films it's particularly they have different directors is that they sometimes will feel like they have no real business i mean this obviously is connected through the theme but sometimes and they'll also sometimes be so hit or miss mm-hmm. and that the, the the styles will sometimes clash like the movie new york stories which is coppola scorsese and woody allen uh-huh those are three short films about new york but they're very they don't fit well together. But right. I don't remember that. I remember that the no. styles being okay. And I think the placement of each individual segment fits well. Like the, the Vic Morrow one is not necessarily creepy. It's more unsettling. That comes right after the cold open. Then you get a more heartfelt one with Spielberg's Kick the Can. The Joe Dante one's really creepy and unsettling. Yeah. That's third, and the last one is probably the most famous yeah. episode of the show, which is the Nightmare at 30,000 Feet. Which we also, I think we talked about in the 4th of July episode. That's I, right. that's probably the mo- one of the most famous episodes, but made even more famous by the movie. Right. And my story that I wanted to yeah. sort of wrap up with is one of the last days of 8th grade, our science teacher allowed us to bring in movies that we could watch like on the final week of school yeah i had brought in a big old pile and at the top was twilight zone and i remember you did that because you had on the dining room table and i'm like what's this and so i (laughs) brought it to school and i didn't have science until midway through the day i believe so a period or two had gone by and i 
was wondering which one he had shown. And apparently he showed the Twilight Zone movie, and the first segment with Vic Morrow is the one that has pretty tough stuff for a 13-year-old to hear. (laughs) Right. So I believe it wasn't finished. Well, that's sort of what happened when we were on an eighth-grade trip and someone put Dumb and Dumberer 2 into the VHS player on the bus, and Miss Dadoff went running from the back of the bus, <laughs> screaming to the front of the bus to, to, to stop the the movie from playing. But I, you know, I, I definitely want to check out Twilight Zone. It was on HBO Max for a while, but it's gone again. Mm-hmm. I, I got that might be a purchase. It's it's a really good one. I agree. I don't think that it properly is a recreation of the show. They've ne- they've never ever been able to. Like they did one in the eighties of a series, which is regarded well, but not as much as the as the original. There was one in two thousand in the two early two thousands, and I haven't seen the one that Jordan Peele yeah, is doing. I don't have any interest, but I still say check out the movie because it is directed by four really strong directors. Oh, definitely, and all of the segments are pretty entertaining. Yes, Megan. It actually was only one episode of the. The Twilight Zone from the two, early 2000s. It was one episode that aired in 2002. That's it? I thought there was more. <laughs> yeah, there, it was not... Um, it's it's tough to get to recreate that. Guess who was in it? It was Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, he Elizabeth was... Berkeley, Brian Austin Green. Uh, yeah, Forrest Whitaker... Lou, Lou Diamond Phillips. Jason Alexander. Forrest Whitaker was the Rod Serling. Ah. Not that he actually wrote anything. And just that he was the face of it. Yeah. So, Megan, could you tell us, please? Which uh, were the movies that I'm I... I'm just double-checking what Megan said. No, it was 43 episodes. Oh. Okay. <laughs> well, that's why I said there was only one It episode. was one season. Okay. So, one season, <laughs> not one episode. Oh, and it was on UPN. Oh. Remember UPN? Yeah. Which was always, like, Strange. bottom of the barrel. Right. But uh, could you tell us, Megan, what movies Nicholas quizzed us on? Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls. Good. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. Well done. And The Twilight Zone, the movie. Almost. Unless if I mixed up the title, it's called The Twilight Zone. It's called Twilight, it's called Zone, Twilight the movie, Zone, but well the done. Movie. I'd say we did pretty good this game. Yeah. I don't think, I, everyone I don't think give it, yourself a pat yeah. on the back. Ma- Very good. Man is literally patting herself on the back. Well done. I don't think anyone couldn't guess something. No, I mean I got stumped on Babe picking the city. But you got that was a that was a or regular Babe, regular Babe. Me. That was a tough one. That yeah. was that was level ten. Well, I think that we all did very well. Congratulations! Thank you. Uh, you don't win anything. No, you get to be on the show some other time. At some other time, feel like letting you come on. But thank you so much for tuning back into this special game episode. We hope you enjoyed our rantings and the movies we picked we had some really good ones uh today i imagine if you watch all the movies that we recommended you will be alone for the rest of your life (laughs) you know how they say like oh too much tv would rot your your brain yeah this would literally make your entire body just melt into a blob you would end up like belloc at the end of raiders of lost (laughs) dog actually we're all tying it back in so thank you so much for tuning in We'll see you next time. As always, I'm Nick Zaccario, joined by my cousin and co-host. And I'm Taylor Zaccario. And sometimes Megan Zaccario. We'll see you next time. Be well, and bye-bye.
Obscure Obsessions is directed, written, and edited by Taylor and Nick Sicario, and is a co-production with Tan Productions. Special thanks to Anchor for podcast distribution and to Twin Musicom, Stockwaves, and Walpurnian Music for providing the score. Follow Obscure Obsessions on Facebook and Instagram, username at ObscurePodcast in all lowercase, and on Twitter, username at ObscurePod, uppercase O and uppercase P, for episode details, previews, and more.